Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Rocky to my Colt. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing really good. I wish you would stop chanting about my affections for Emily, but, you know, I mean, uh, brothers gotta be brothers. That's the, I think it's the other way. I think that your Colt, Colt is the one that gets chanted at. That was. That is not correct. The chant is Rocky loves Emily. I know because I saw it in the drive-in with my brother and that became a running joke for about a decade. Uh, I'm not proud. I'm not tired either. I guess you're a three ninjas expert compared to me. All I know is that they have a movie with Hulk Hogan in it and that's the one I really care about. Uh, (laughs) And our very own Tum Tum, he's here today. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how's it going? Of all the fart joke movies this is probably my favorite to reference so thank you uh did you know the director of the first three ninjas movie also directed national treasure and national treasure book of book of secrets so he's he's kept a steady line of success it's a full-on full-on legend in my opinion that is like about as good as it gets for uh high high bar for for doing stuff like that all right there's one thing on every seahawks fans mind right now and we would be remiss if we didn't start with that so we're going to start right where everyone wants us to start we're going to take a temperature check seahawks nest podcast how do we feel right now about the jadavian clowny situation march 31st 2020 about 9 p.m what do you what are you thinking right now eric start us off how do you feel about the jadavian clowny situation 50 50 i saw an article today didn't read it just read the headline because it's uh, no information so the headline's all you need and it was talking about how Waiting around for Jadavian Clowney may be the best move the Seahawks can make. To which I thought, this is a bunch of bull. Because it could be. It could also be where a team all of a sudden gets a ton of cap room and just yanks him out from under us when uh, you don't think they need a defensive end. But boom, they grab Clowney. And we don't have anything. So I feel like this is a situation where, yeah, he could slip away. Or, yeah, we could get him for the deal we want. That's Kevin, do you, Kevin, do you think the Seahawks should just move early on Everson Griffin to make sure they don't miss out, or is it worth waiting for Jadavian no matter what? Uh, I'm a little concerned at this point that we're going to be left holding the bag, and being on the outside of all of the end options is a little worrying for me. Um, whether it's moving on Griffin, whether it's moving on like Curry or Mike Bennett, um, I'd like to get at least one or two bodies in that room just so we don't end up completely on the outside of talent if we uh, aren't able to get Clowney back in the room. And I mean, other than the obvious top-end talent, Chase Young, I think we're in agreement that the the edge class here is not super exciting. Every guy has potential issues, especially in terms of how they would fit on the Seahawks. Yeah, um, especially the round one guys. There's a lot of questions about them rushing the passer specifically. So yeah, like a lot of people like to mock us like Yeter Gross Matos. I would be uh I'd be a little gun shy about that, especially in round one. Uh it just he's uh he's all projection and it's not it's not I don't know, it's it seems dangerous. It seems like a guy kind of picked like a totally I you were in on Matos. Could be another LJ Collier kind of thing. Where, uh Gross Matos is very developed as a uh run stopper as a pass rusher he's a lot of projection right now yeah um i mean he did have like some games some of the biggest games of the year he had production in like he had two sacks against ohio state and had nine tackles in that game and if you just turn that tape on you'll be like wow this guy's awesome but there's other games where he's you know completely invisible so you have to kind of balance out the good with the bad i mean in their loss to minnesota he didn't do anything and so it, you know you worry like Hey, is this a guy that we really put it together, or is he going to just disappear against the really, really, uh, you know, against the NFL competition? I, uh, I'm not big on using tw- pick 27. I think that's a little too high. If now, if we trade it down and he's there, like at the beginning of round two, I could start to talk myself into it. But uh, yeah, if 20- we're sitting like pick 32 through 40, and we're looking at these same guys, it becomes a very different narrative because. Um, on the back end, we could get a developmental guy or a guy who maybe the athleticism tells us they could be a pass rusher in round four or five and the package together has the value that we want. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just tough. It's challenging. I think this is a challenging draft for the Seahawks to navigate because they do need to get 
a couple hits, right? We're at the point now where we don't really have uh, our best talents are no longer on rookie contracts. And so we need to kind of hit on a couple of these rookie contract guys because Russ can't, it's, you can't win a Super Bowl with one guy, right? It's, that's and depth is a big chess. issue last year as injuries started to hit. That was a problem consistently. So here's my opinion about the Jadavian Clowney thing is that they're kind of at an impasse. There's no incentive for the Seahawks to come back with a better offer because you don't want to do that. You because then you're setting the, you're establishing a precedent with agents and other players that says, "Hey, we'll make you an offer, and then later we'll come back and make it better." So if you just wait us out, you'll get more money. Yeah, you Bad don't want to pre- be the Jaguars betting against yourself. Bad precedent. Don't do that. So, so they have. From what I'm hearing, they have like kind of two offers on the table. They have a longer term offer at about eighteen and a half million dollars a year. That's been reported by Corbin Smith. We they also have some kind of shorter term offer that you hear is at thirteen and a half uh, ish uh, for the short term offer, which makes sense because you don't want to like beat you don't need to beat the um, guaranteed number from the franchise tag by very much. You don't want to you don't want to do that if you're bringing a guy back to your own team. So it, those both make sense to me. And then there's no incentive for Jadavian Clowney to sign one day before he has to. At the end of the day, these offers are on the table for him. And until they give him a firm deadline, which it seems like they haven't, then why would he ever force himself to move, right? He has incentive to wait. Last year, Earl Thomas said he was planning on signing with coming back to the Seahawks or going to the Cowboys, or he had all these other offers on the table. And at the last minute, out of nowhere, Baltimore backed up with a huge truck full of money. And I think Jadavian is hoping that something similar happens to him, where he has all these offers and then boom, here comes a huge offer that he just can't, he can't let go. He has to do it. That's what he's hoping happens. I don't think it it will. It's really hard to sell your fan base, your season ticket holders on, Hey, we're signing this guy for $20 million. He had three sacks last year. Uh, that's not, it's not really a, a great sell. I don't think, I think a lot of fans, the casual, you know, a lot fan. of people, a lot of people want to come back. Hey, it's 2020. We don't think about, uh, pass rush in terms of sacks. Well, number one, your average fan does. But number two, if you look at just his pressure numbers, his pressure numbers also are not elite. They're good. They're productive. They're numbers that you want on your roster. But he's never really shown that he's an elite pass rusher. Um, a lot of his seasons are somewhere between above average and good. Yeah, and I, I think... Uh... Another thing, there's a lot of memes, you know, you see them on Reddit, you see them on Twitter where it's like, uh, oh, he just three and a half sacks. He doesn't deserve a league contract. Jadamon Clowney does deserve a decent contract. I think 18 and a half for a long-term contract is pretty fair. That, and that's a really good contract too. That's a lot of money for a guy who has kind of shown that while he's an elite run stopper, he's just merely an above average pass rusher. And I think that, you know, that skill set doesn't pay like the Khalil Mack skill set. Well, right. He was also very disruptive, which the numbers don't really flush out, but we watched him play. Um, is he worth the $18 million a year? If anyone is, yeah, I think he is. I don't really want him under the books for a long time, but he is worth the money, um, and I would like to have him back. He did yeah. show up big in big games. That was something uh, people sometimes will talk about that as being a bit of a slight, but I think someone who shows up in your playoff games, in your Monday night games, in your playoff clincher games i think that's a plus i agree kevin yeah and brady henderson the seahawks reporter for espn was on 710 radio and he said that he thinks that the the seahawks are gonna continue to wait and but they but they won't budge on the number jadavia wants 21 the seahawks want to give him 18 and a half and there's not really like a lot of room for movement there and so I think the Seahawks will continue to wait and then until Everson Griffin gives them a, a timeline. I think that's the guy who they'll say, okay, if Everson comes to them and says, hey, I got a $10 million offer, I'm going to take it if you don't give me a contract. They're going to go, all right, well, we got to get this done. And that might hurt their ability to continue to negotiate with Jadavian. But that's, yeah, because the cuts that's- then start being difficult. Then you're talking about probably losing Britt and KJ, Britt and Fluker maybe all three of them to be able to squeeze Jadevian under the cap, which if you're matching him with Everson Griffin and the rest of what our defensive line would look like by that point, isn't a terrible thing, but that does become a bit of a roster crunch just to be able to fit that cash in. Yeah. You could cut. I think you could cut, you have to cut KJ, Justin Britt, and then you'd either have to cut just, um, I figured this out earlier. You could cut Brandon Jackson and uh, David Moore, or you could cut, 
um, just one guy that's like four Fluker. million dollars. DJ Fluker. Yep, that's right. So, um, yeah. All right. Um, I have a question that has nothing to do with football. What are you guys doing to stay sane in these uh, crazy times? I, I think people want to know. Yeah, like what? Like how are you staying? Oh. How are you like keeping yourself from losing your mind? Being stuck, you know, kind of in the house all day, and uh, like even with this high bar of successfully staying sane. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Kevin's saying I'm not. I'm losing my mind. Uh, Eric, what do, what do you I'll, got? I'll wait until I hear what you guys are doing. <laughs> for me, I'm like a very old person thing, and I'm I'm going for a walk every day, which is very yeah. nice uh, with my wife. Um, my wife. My wife. Uh, I am also going for a walk with Eric's wife every day. Which, oh, uh, that's negative. Kevin shows up here. You guys know I like photography, but also I'm I'm indulging in stuff I shouldn't be. Like just I just between us and all the podcast listeners, I ordered some no bake cookie dough from a uh, company called Dopey, and it's going to be arriving Thursday. And I can't wait to eat some of it for breakfast on Friday. It's going to be amazing. Oh, man of culture. <laughs> welcome welcome think... to Fat Eric Town. Here we go. Welcome back, Fat Eric. I will you say are... food has food has been tough for me. I've been eating really poorly since this has started. But same as you, Eric, getting, the, getting outside with the little guy has been really, really uh, helpful in maintaining sanity. And uh, I got yelled at the other day because I went to the park. <laughs> <laughs> there was no one else at the park except for me and my son and then some guy was like you shouldn't be at the park and i was like all right there's no one at this park but i guess i won't be here either no. so you should have dressed like la parka i walked and really there. doubled down know. on it i don't know it was weird uh i'm glad that people are taking the chairman of the board it, it is good that people are taking it seriously i mean i was not if there was other people at the park i wouldn't have gone i think it's like a one person at a time in the giant park thing you know you gotta you gotta social distance so all right now that we know how we're staying sane, now that we know it's oh, I actually have been doing things. <laughs> oh, you, you, you! I thought you weren't walking with Eric's wife. That's uh, other than that, I've oh. also been walking with my wife. I'm double my wife. That one. Uh, <laughs> so Karen and I've been doing a couple of walks a day uh, to keep from getting fatter, and then uh, cooking, definitely cooking and baking, because then it takes me a lot of time to get fat. So I feel oh, like nice. I'm earning it. There's a time investment. So, I like that. Yeah, um, all right. Um, post Seahawks Patreons post in the Discord how you stay sane uh, when during this yeah. uh, this time. So we got Jadavian. We're staying sane. Okay. Now today's podcast main topic. We're talking about the running back position. The Seahawks have rostered uh, four running backs heading into the draft. Uh, so the we're thinking Arby's. Yeah. Oh yes. Here we go. Okay. They have Chris Carson, uh, who is injured. They have Rashad Penny who is injured. They have Travis Homer, Adam Choice, and then Nick Ballore. Do they really have Adam Choice? They do. Just Sam. <laughs> dude, Adam Choice, uh, running back Clemson. You know, he's a, he's a football player. That's, is that's, he, though? I, have you ever seen him? Yeah, you want to hear something crazy about Adam Choice? In high school, he played quarterback, but rushed for 5,000 yards. Uh, it sounds like an option quarterback, I would bet. That's pretty sweet right that's, like, a lot, that's a lot of yards he only threw for 300 yards but it's okay yeah he, he already has a master's degree so that's pretty cool and he's to shard choice's cousin all right that's that's good uh i georgia tech running backs coach to shard uh, choice yeah. shard choice i do believe yeah he's he played in the nfl for like what six years he's on like the cowboys and the bills yeah he bounced around the league he was a solid backup yeah and then probably what adam choice's uh career path will be uh at best, solid backup. Okay. Say, if that's the case, then we already have our Mike Davis on roster. We can just skip this whole segment. We don't need to drop anyone. No. See, I think the Seahawks... Okay, let's talk about this. Do you think the Seahawks yeah. need to draft a running back in this upcoming draft? Eric, start us off. Yes. I think it would probably be a wise decision, as I'm not really stoked on the free agents. Uh, our top two running backs got injured last year to the point where we had to bring in Marshawn. And um, Turbin. And... and Again, did you see him play? I'm not convinced that he was there. He was I'm there. With you, Kevin. Yeah, that that totally stopped the podcast right there. Turbo. Turbo. <laughs> yes. Man, of if ever there was an undeserved nickname of Turbo, did he really like the movie about the snail called Turbo and that's how he got his nickname? No, he's a Turbo man. Yeah. Jamie. Um yeah, I, th- I think it would be a good move. <laughs> Especially when we have uh 
Chris Carson entering his free agent year, and this is a uh, league where this podcast knows you don't want to spend a lot of money on that that big running back contract. Yeah, so giving a running back a second contract, I think the Seahawks have realized that that's kind of a a bad idea. So that's part of why their draft plan included like it's clear that Rashad Penny was sort of some kind of succession plan for Chris Carson, right? You spend well, a first and round. we pick a running back every draft. Like every that's draft, just a thing that we much. do. Yeah, so they they don't want to give out a bunch of big money to two running backs, and um, I'm I'm kind of with you, Eric. I think that you know you just leave this draft with one running back. That's probably what they'll do. They'll probably try to find one somewhere in the draft, and we'll talk about some of the options that they have in a minute. But yeah, they probably just look for one. Kevin, what do you think? Do you think they'll be looking for for one running back, or do you think it'll be a UDFA or a free agent? What do you think? I think you'll be looking for. Uh, most likely you'll be finding a running back probably in round three or four based on the pattern of behavior. Um, I could see them also signing a guy like maybe if they can get Devontae Freeman on a cheap deal or something and then spend that six round pick on a running back. That's another possibility. Yeah, I'm not totally, I, I've I made my feelings about this public. I'm not totally against the idea of Devontae Freeman. Uh, he's, he can't be that bad. <laughs> a ringing endorsement, sir. What about what? Or like, you know, you could just go for like Chris Thompson. The four games he's healthy are always really good, right? And we only need him for like three. Yeah. So the first, the first four weeks of the season. Okay. So this, this is, a, I think, is a really weird running back class. That's my opinion on it. There's four or five guys who are people talk about as maybe potentially being first and second round talents, and then there's, I think, a pretty significant drop off after that. So let's go over those first four or five guys because I think these are the guys that everyone fears that we'll pick in round one but would be happy with if we picked later than that. Um, Let's start with the number one guy on most people's boards, uh, Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin. Uh, Kevin, you're a big fan. What do you like about Jonathan Taylor? Uh, Jonathan Taylor does a lot of the things that I value greatly in a running back. Um, He has really good burst. He's elusive. He has power to break tackles. Um, he has really good balance through contact, and his legs are always moving. He's a guy who can move the pile. He's a guy who always falls forward. He's just kind of a, a – he is a positive yardage machine. Yeah. So there's a lot of pros when you watch him just run. When you watch him run, he's really good. Let's um, not talk my, about the passing game. My negative feedbacks are like <laughs> he had 18 fumbles in 41 career games, which is um, Chris Carson-esque. <laughs> Um, there's there's a it's not ideal there's a that he's not a great receiver i think there's potential there i mean but they all they asked him to do was run out to the right and over and over and they really only made him do it his senior year because i think like his coach was doing him a solid and letting him get it on tape so that there's like this guy can catch you know it's like we just need him to run 30 times a game because we've seen our quarterback yeah it's like but this is big 10 football and uh we don't we're not gonna ever ever throw to running backs but uh yeah i think that it's he's pretty good if we the seahawks interviewed him during the combine so we know that there's some kind of level of interest there uh i would be fine with drafting him at like 59 or 64 it's one of those things where the um the value is really good kind of like dk last year where if we would have taken dk in the first round it honestly it would have worked out because of how good he is but at the time i thought man that's kind of a risky pick to get him so early and then when we come to 64 it's like yes pick dk definitely he's amazing right like yeah. 60, 64 is just like too late for that and i think jonathan taylor's the same way if he's I think there you can say that about the next four running backs too if yeah i think that's all true for all of these guys i, I would tend to agree um so let's go to the guy that i think uh, i have number one on my board it's just a personal favorite i i honestly have all five of these guys clustered so close together that i could sp- I could build an argument for any of the four of the five guys. So um, I'm going to go JK Dobbins. JK Dobbins is the running back for number three on my board. So the, I agree. The Ohio state university. Um, I just think he's a really smooth runner and he's very willing to go into contact, which is a, which is exciting. Um, he's a little small for like blocking. Like when he tries to block a defensive tackle, it, he gets overwhelmed, but he's trying his best, which makes me, excited like there's potential there <laughs> yeah he when he pa- when he makes the pass block it's really good but i would say all of his passing reps are the same thing where either he makes a really really good play or a really really ugly play well he, he knows where to go so he gets to the right spot and then his technique 
fails him sometimes and he just gets blown up and it's like uh well the same thing's true for pass catching too like he'll get to the right spot and he'll run the route correctly and everything and then just lose focus on catching because he's thinking about Mm -hmm. running after the catch yeah and i and his his pass has route running is it's not i think it's like pretty decent it's running back average he does what you need running backs to do he'll do your screens he'll do your little flares your option your uh, middle option routes your texas route your wheel route like he can do all that those are things that once he gets free He's gone, but it takes a little bit and a lot of effort to get him free, like a downhill runner. Um, here's one thing: is Ohio State, so their offense they run with a they have a fullback or a guy in the backfield a lot. So he would run behind someone a lot of the time. So he doesn't have to make like a choice. He would just follow the fullback and then find the hole. And he's good at finding the hole. Like he makes like he he's a good decision maker and he finds the hole and goes with it. Um, under so in our running game, he'd probably be good because our running game is predicated a lot on like power running and following your blockers and stuff. And he would be a good player to do that. So I'm a, like, I, I think it'd be a good solid Seahawks fit. He, he might be there at the end of the second round. And the other thing, I just think his, his like spring cuts and his feet are really good. And I, I, I don't know, just a, I'm a fan. I'm a JK Dobbins kind of I kind of want to plant my flag there. I think he could be really good. Uh, but like I said, I mean, the difference between him, Jonathan Taylor and the next three guys is not enormous for me. They're all, they're all pretty good. They all could be top 10 running backs. They, they all have that kind of level of talent and potential. And they all could be kind of just another guy, middle of the road time splitter too, because that's a, that's not a big distinction in the NFL. Yeah. Um, let's get up to the next guy. The guy, a guy that I would say has a good chance to be like the next James White, a guy who got a ton of catches next last year in a workout of the backfield. That's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, the big question mark with him is, is you know, a lot, and I think this is a fair question to ask about every LSU player from last year is how much of that was him and how much of that was kind of like the perfect storm. They had two excellent wide receivers, excellent running back, an excellent quarterback, pretty good college offensive line. Not great, but pretty good. And, and an offensive coach that kind of brought everything together perfectly. Right. So it's a legitimate question to ask, um, was this kind of a one-year wonder or is he really going to be, uh, great? And for me, I don't ever see Clyde Edwards Hilaire being the, one of the best running backs in the league, but I could definitely see him being a guy who contributes to a a good team for many, many years as like a change of pace runner, a pass catcher, a guy who plays, you know, like a Darren Sproles type or uh, um, something like that. Uh, Do you, do you see more in Clyde Edwards Hilaire future than that, Kevin, or do you think that's a fair assessment? Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is my number two running back. And I think his floor is probably Austin Eckler. Yeah, I think Austin Eckler is going to get a lot of work this year, and we're going to see what he's really made of. Uh, uh, he ran a four six forty, which is going to drop him a little bit, but he's much more quickness than speed, and that's something you'll notice for me as a running back evaluator. I care a lot more about your burst and your short area quickness than about your top speed. I just think that you know if you can't actually get to open field, then I don't really care how fast you run in a straight line for distance. Um. Pass blocking is a bit of a question because of his size, but he is the best route runner of any running back in this class. I think as a pass catching back, he probably has the most potential out of anybody here. And he uses the same short area quickness that he uses in the hole as a running back to bust routes. And he is really hard to cover. He runs in like this one gear all the time and just tries to run into people, which is um, fun to watch, but because of his size can make it uh, unsuccessful sometimes. But guys, you can tell when he's playing the good tacklers and the bad tacklers because against the bad tacklers, they try to they try to tackle him and it's like, uh, nope, he just runs that guy over because he has really good balance. He'll always be fa- – even at the NFL level, if he doesn't have that tackle-breaking ability anymore, that uh, contact balance to get to the second level, he'll still be able to fall forward all the time because his balance is so good. So it might he might not be you know quite as – consistent but he'll still be going forward which is really good yeah and if he can develop a little bit more of a tool set as far as utilizing a a stiff arm um, a little more consistency in his corkscrew move i think that is another thing that would really enhance his game because that contact balance if he's falling forward and he can put a shoulder on you and spin off you you're talking about a difference of about a five yard pickup there yeah so um the guy i have at number three 
uh, just ahead of Edward Slayer, and I think, Kevin, you have him at number four, uh, is DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia. He's a five-star recruit. I think that most people, like most draft services, see him as the number one uh, running back in this uh, in this league or in this uh, draft. My thing is that he runs way too upright, and he and he and he often uh, he'll try way too hard to make the play. Like remember when Sean Alexander would run and then keep trying to find, keep being patient, being patient, be patient. Eventually, there's just no play there, and he'd lose four yards by running out of bounds. Yep, I feel like that's DeAndre Swift's future in the NFL is like Sean Alexander. I feel like that is definitely a problem that he'll run into is he's he's looking for a too big of a play too often. He he understands like if he lands on a team like the Colts that have like the all world offensive line, he is going to destroy teams because his vision is excellent. But he often is so patient that he'll wait and wait and wait and wait. And on some teams like our our team's a good example of this. They're not blocking well enough to to kind of deal with that. So um, I like DeAndre Swift. I think he's like a, a good package. He doesn't do. There's no weaknesses, but there's no real like a plus strength either. He's just. I'll say a couple other things with him. His power, uh, Swift, Dobbins, and Edward Allaire, Their power is limited by their size. They're all pretty small. They're all about five, between five seven and five nine. They're all right around two hundred ten pounds. And if you're trying to like stuff it up the gut with one of them, it shows. The other thing is, I feel like uh, DeAndre Swift has the worst play to contact out of the three with Edward Delaire and Dobbins. Um, he his balance through contact is just okay. Like the other guys have kind of plus, and so you'll see him get stonewalled a little bit more than the other two. Yeah, I, I like DeAndre Swift if he was there at 59, but he won't be. Some team's going to take him really high, I think. I have a feeling. Yeah, he's um, just too plug-and-play. Like, he's he just a really the, easy guy to put in there as your RB1. Yeah, you, a team that, like, has, um, like, no no running back right now or, like, has Like very Tampa Bay. Run. Tampa Bay takes him, yeah. He, he can just play every down. And now Ronald Jones doesn't ever have to hit the field anymore because they have DeAndre Swift. Um, all right. The, the next guy is a kind of um, – an athletic profile guy, a guy who um, can re- a real home run hitter, another five star high school recruit, Cam Akers out of Florida State. Um, I am he makes the best cuts out of any of these guys we've talked about so far. Uh, the thing is, is that you just there are plays where he does nothing, nothing because he's you just get scared that he's like gonna be. He needs to secure the ball better. He needs to get better in the passing game to stay on the field for all three downs. And he really just needs to clean up the really bad plays. Now, part of that could be Florida State sucks. So that's why I think that he's either right in this group or maybe just the the right right be out of it with these first four guys. But um, yeah, I really like Cam Akers. I think that he's a dynamic runner. I have him fifth on my board. Uh, Kevin, I think you also have him fifth. Yeah, he's fifth on my board for the same reason. Um, one of the notes I put in here is bad blocking makes bad habits. Um, he tries to bounce to the outside too often because there were way too many times where they would hand the ball to him and he would take half a step and suddenly the whole right side of his line where he's supposed to be rushing would just collapse. And that's something that's really hard for a running back to deal with. Okay. Uh, Eric, you've heard these top five guys now. You've heard kind of like their little profiles. So I'm going to give him a little profiles for him. Now, which one do you think you would like to have – be like the best fit on the Seahawks which one sounds the most appealing to you is there like a guy that you think would be sounds like he'd be a good fit with the current group of running backs that we have or do you think we should pass on all of them as everyone knows I don't I don't scout a lot of college because it's it would just be a lot of reading and being like oh I'm going to regurgitate everyone else's information as if I'm an ESPN reporter and and that was a shot that was a shot as a little uh, little quarantine shot get it um but really, I was listening for the guy that would move piles, the guy that would uh, break out of the backfield, break out of the uh, the tackles, and go for long yardage. And I did not hear that. Uh, I know from <clears throat> before we record, hearing you both of you take you know uh, your favorites or where you kind of think you'll we'd like to get someone. I I know Nathan, your your stance on Cam Akers, I think it's fair on both sides. It could be a guy who doesn't do a lot. It could be a guy who does a little bit. Um, I don't really seeing us take, see us taking a running back in the first round. 
So I think we might be looking at, I don't know, maybe someone we didn't name. If I had to pick one here, it's probably Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think that the problem, like you said, is that none of these guys, um, to me, on the tape show like elite breakaway speed. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. I, I think he has, he's, he's for his measurements. They're really good for a guy that is as heavy as he is. He, he does, but like, I don't, I don't think that Jonathan Taylor, like on the NFL level is going to be outrunning a bunch of safeties. No, I think it'll be like a Marshawn Lynch where it's really hard to be both right. It's hard to be both big enough to tackle him and fast enough to catch him. Yeah, like where Carson will go a whole season without – he'll have a 1,000 yards, but he'll have no runs longer than 18 yards. And you're like, how did this happen? And it's like, it's like because he's really consistent. You know, he's like consistently – he's never – Jonathan Taylor's not going to have a bunch of bad plays, I think. I think that's the thing that makes him really appealing is that he's not going to have like a play where it's – it's you know, it's a total dud. Yeah, um, if you're looking for the pile mover, I'd say probably Taylor and Akers – are the two guys out of this group that can kind of run into a crowd of eight dudes and come out the other side, breaking away for 15 or 20. Like I like the Hayward. other guys would have to do it based on shiftiness. Those are the two guys that can be physical about it. Probably. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see us getting Taylor. I think he, he might be the first guy off the board. Um, I, I, I don't love any of them. I don't hate any of them. I also don't really love the ball security on like most of these guys that, from what I read, it didn't seem like it was like everyone's weakness was ball security, which I'm like, Ugh. that it is a it's a fair. It's not swift, but that is a fair assessment of a lot of guys in this class is that they have um, like fumble fumbling issues, or like or like Dobbins doesn't fumble, but he has like a he, concentration catches that he doesn't make. You know, like all these guys have like weird concentration. Uh, issues for sure yeah some fundamental breakdowns in their game after this i think that there's a there's another tier of running backs that's pretty small um they're guys that are going to go in the middle rounds and then i think after that it's like a whole bag of uh you got to make kind of your own decisions so kevin what's your uh after this first tier who's on your who's on your next tier so my dudes that i would be pretty solid with in rounds three or four um i have a three running back tier here and it's uh, Zach Moss, Anthony McFarlane, and Darrington Evans. Okay, mine is mine is actually different. So this isn't this is interesting. Mine is Zach. Mine is Zach Moss, uh, Anthony McFarlane, and Kashawn Vaughn. So, uh, but either way, I mean, uh, Kashawn Vaughn is my top guy in my next tier. Yeah, and so, and I think that for me, it, these guys. Um, they're all they all have a significant issue that, that kind of stops them from being uh being in that top tier. Yeah, Zach Moth uh, is an athletic. Anthony McFarland can't stay healthy for a few games and for me Darrington Evans uh did a lot of damage against weaker competition. He showed up against better teams, but competition's a big question and Keyshawn Vaughn's doesn't do anything after his first cut, but his first cut's really good. Yeah, I think Keyshawn Vaughn's problem is that he's just like not a powerful runner. He he will he needs to get like a head full of steam. But once he gets a head full of steam, he's he's pretty good. Um, yeah, he like one cuts and goes, but then you never see him like. Then he'll just run at the best angle possible to get as many yards before he just gets tackled. I'll say this: um, I kind of got into him because in the Georgia game in 2019 on his tape, at the beginning of the game, he lays this like dope stiff arm. In the, right at the beginning of the game and just like destroys a guy and i was like yep that's my guy i'm uh i'm putting him in the second tier didn't Dude, take i respect that the only problem was that i think that was the only stiff arm i saw from him in three games it was so, like man i'd love to see that stiff arm more <laughs> yeah so okay so then now we're in the late rounds who are your uh who are your late round guys who's your late round uh, uh guys you want to take a shot on kevin you start with one i'll do one we'll go back and forth until we, uh so why we run out so go ahead who's Who's the guy you got? Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Rico Dowdle out of South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, 5'11", 213. He's got solid size, um, good athleticism. Uh, he can run running back routes very nicely. He's got really good burst. 
Um, his running posture is nice. He stays low to the ground. Uh, he has some good cuts. He's got a stiff arm. He's got good balance and leg drive. He just has a bit of an injury history. He's probably not a guy who could, who, you, he's a guy you'd probably want to get like 10 to 15 touches. You'd never want to give him 20 to 25. Yeah, I think that I, you turned me on to Rico Dado. You told me about it because he didn't do the combine, so I had no reason to look at him. And now that there's no pro days, <laughs> it's really hard to it's really hard to know like which guys I should be watching. And so you're like, check this guy out. And I'll say he looks solid. Like I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be up in the a lot of people are putting like Eno Benjamin and Darius Anderson, LaMichael P. Ryan. He should be right in that group with those guys. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't. He in the Alabama game, he looked like he belonged. He looked like he was a real player in that game. And I would be fine with us taking him in the you know the last day of the draft round seven, round six, uh, maybe even making him a priority free agent. That's a great, great move. Yep. Um, okay. My first guy is JJ Taylor. Uh, JJ Taylor is the Arizona running back. He's a fourth year junior. He's 23 years old. Those are, that's the problem. He's five foot five. He's 23 years old. He's not growing anymore, folks. Um, the, the good thing, I mean, that's pretty old for a, for a junior too. The good thing but is, he looks this guy, I bet he gets carded a lot. This guy's a firecracker with the ball, man. You put the ball in his hands and stuff happens. And I really like watching Arizona tape because uh, their quarterback, Khalil Tate, who we'll talk about in the quarterbacks podcast, but he they're just a fun team to watch because their offense is either working perfectly and everything's amazing or it's just a total disaster. But J.J. Taylor is pretty consistently a bright spot. He does a lot of really good things once you get in the ball in his hands. He's a very willing blocker, although <laughs> five foot five, you know, how much can he really be doing? He's, uh, he kind of, he's kind of a speed bump. Yeah, but but he he really is trying. Like he really throws his body in there, and like I mean, on our team, he's just going to need to slow down the the defensive end a little bit to give Russ a chance to adjust. Yeah, I'm just saying, when a defensive end comes in, it looks kind of like in a movie when the little kid like runs up to the adult, like "No, don't hit my mom," and then yeah. like the the adult just shoves him 55 feet to the left. It's it's kind of looks like that. It slows him down a little bit though. Okay, but JJ <laughs> Taylor, if you have time, fun tape watch. Uh, his in the game against uh, Washington, I think, is like a, a really bursty fun, fun game to watch because Washington, you know, is a, a at least talent wise, it's a solid Pac-12 team. So they're a legitimate defense. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm yeah, I'm into it. Let's go. Uh, let's go. JJ as a you know late round pick priority free agent kind of guy. All right, Kevin, who's your next one? Uh, Darius Anderson out of TCU. Okay. Um, he's another guy whose top speed is not great, but his athleticism is really good. Um, he's like a level acceleration, C level top speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a good guy in the outside zone game and I like him as a pass catcher. When I watched him, I thought this is a guy who, if you could keep him on a pitch count and not, not overuse him would be pretty effective. Um, yeah, you know there's a pattern like, with the guys I'm selecting. <laughs> yeah, like he's not going to be – if he's your feature back, you're in trouble, I think, yep. But because he's going to get worn down or he's just not going to look good. Kind of like Homer last year where he, well, when he got overused, it was not as good as when we could just mix him in a little bit. When you mixed him in a little bit, I thought he looked good, but when he had that game, the first playoff game, and that he got like 12 carries, I was like, oh, this is too much. This is too much Travis Homer. Uh, yeah. I think Darius the same way. TCU had another running back too. That's like a tank. Uh, he's like six foot three, two thirty five. Uh, semi so old. Yes, you know I, I don't really love him, but uh, but he's built, he's built, he's really he's fun large. to watch on the tape. Because he's there, so should big. we just address that group real quick? So Sino Alonuola, who's the other guy? AJ Darius Bradwell, AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon's like two hundred fifty pounds. Uh, and so then big. there's another dude, uh, uh, Michael Warren out of Cincinnati. These guys are all like, uh, between five ten and six foot and like 230 pounds. And they're just a big side of beef. And if you want a guy to just run it into the line, like people, like people are really excited about AJ Dillon. I didn't see anything in AJ Dillon's tape that looked better than Bo Scarborough's tape. AJ so, Dillon, it's it's fine to watch because he's like just understand that he's two hundred fifty pounds and he's moving pretty good. That's fun. It's yeah, not. I would not be sad to sign him. He would not be a bad guy if we could get him like late four. I guess sure, because he'll come in and do a thing. Yeah. Um. I don't know what the I don't even know what the high end comp for him is though because like I just can't think of a guy who's two hundred and fifty pounds at running back that uh, Derrick Henry. 
Yeah, he's not Derrick Henry. No, his feet are not, <laughs> not nearly as good. That's why I keep saying Bo Scarborough. Bo Scarborough yeah. is gigantic, but doesn't have great feet. And so if like a team just lets him abuse them downhill, he can have a really good game. But there's a lot of games where he just gets tripped up like three yards deep a lot. Okay, my other guy is a um, FCS guy. He's uh, James Robinson, running back, Illinois State. Uh, Illinois State's offense is basically just James Robinson. So uh, teams would stack the box, nine guys in the box, make every effort to stop him. And sometimes it would work. Sometimes had success against him. But a lot of times it wouldn't. And the fact that it ever wouldn't is pretty – he looks good. And I'm a, I'm a fan. He's really good at blocking. He's good at catching. He's, he's running. He's not super fast. So I think that that will stop him from ever rising up too far. But, you know, as a fifth to seventh round pick, I think James Robinson could be a really interesting. Well, uh, and he choice. jumped out of the building. Um, his vertical and broad jump were both huge, which tells you about the explosion in his legs. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at like the, if you watch the tape, he never has room to work <laughs> like ever. There's so he'll fit in so right bad. with our run blocking. His, the blocking is so bad for Illinois State. He just <laughs> has to like try his best. And uh, yeah, in the in the in the uh, in the playoff game they played against North Dakota State, they ran it like 13 consecutive times and didn't complete a pass until the second half. So, but they oh, okay. Well, I mean, unless interceptions count as completions, then they completed one pass before the second yeah, half. Yeah, beautiful pass right to the safety. <laughs> It's like it's like I was like watching it. And I was like, man, Illinois State. If they had an even competent quarterback, they might be winning this game. Illinois State's don't. quarterback not showing up in our quarterback right. future. Is there anyone uh, else you want you want to get? I in just here, have Kevin? one dude. Okay. Um, Antonio Gibson is the other running back out of Memphis. Um, he played a wide receiver running back hybrid, and I mean, like he lined up in the slot and he lined up out wide and he lined up at running back. Um, he got kind of touches all over the place. His athletic numbers are really good. He seems like a guy who could do more than what he did in Memphis, but um, he's kind of raw. Like he can come in and offer you value as a playmaker, but he might, as a running back, just be kind of like Ty Montgomery. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, that's, he that's would kind be of interesting late round. He's kind of big too. Like uh, yeah, he's like six just... foot two twenty eight. Like he's got really good size, and he's built like a running back. Yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of bringing him in as like a tweener athlete and just seeing if we can find a place for him. Because you're right, his athletic profile is really nice. Yeah, if we could get him with our second, fourth round pick, like I'm I'm good with that. All right. Uh, Eric, now that you've heard all of our guys, would you want the Seahawks to use an early, a middle, or a late pick on a running back? Where, where, do, you think, where, do, you think, where do you think our draft resources are best, are best used? Middle pick of values there. Uh, I'm not really stoked on a late round pick only because at that rate, you could be looking at, you know, someone like Travis Homer and, and, and another Travis Homer, which I'm not, I'm not really into. I, well, what's better I'm than one Travis Homer? <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> you're not have, into Travis Homer squared. No, I'm not. We need to have a guy who's, who can carry this ball to the crowd 20 times a game or, you know, share that between two guys in 18 and 12. Um, I will say we're, I, I think I, I am, and I don't, I don't know. I want to speak for you guys, but I think I'm very worried that we get to the, if we don't draft a running back and we get to the first game of the season and there's no run, you know what I mean? Like everyone's still hurt. Yeah. That's, and, and Pete Carroll gave that thing. He said, Oh yeah, they're, they're both going to be ready for week one, which makes, which is like the Pete Carroll version of like his legs about to fall off. Yeah. So, I, I don't I didn't like that at all. Yeah, that I, was right there with the he's got a leg thing. I agree. Yeah, no, I it's, like, it's, it's a classic Pete trick, and he doesn't like to show his cards. But if if there's any sort of delay there, we could be four games in. We could be first month of the season in the NFL. There's only 16 games for what one more year, um, where you need to you need to have a strong first month or at least tread water at two and two. And if you don't have a running back. It's cool to give Russell Wilson so much, but we need to have a, a capable offense and we need to, you know, build this from the beginning of the season. So Yeah, if we don't draft someone, we gotta sign someone, right? Exactly. Oh, and for sure. Devontae Freeman a sneaky pick could work out. I'm not I'm not against that right now, especially if the money's right. But to answer your question, value in the middle round if it's there. Mm-hmm. So maybe third round pick if if there's a someone the Seahawks really love. 
So like Acres is falling, and he's at the where that he's there in round three. We could snag him, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, I like it. Or maybe Evans or McFarland, who can both hit a home run, possibly. Like those are a couple kind of home run hitter backs. Okay, right. so um, let's get to the uh, Patreon thing. Okay, so if you want to support the Seahawks the podcast, if you, there are many ways to do so. For as little as a dollar twenty four a month, you can join our join our Discord. Get. Um, during the regular season, get our betting picks and all of that good stuff. If there is a season, who knows anymore? <laughs> Thank, be like these people who joined in the month of March: Sjord, Jack, MC Naptime, Brandon, and Malcolm. They're 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 Patreons. They're probably in the Discord. I I know Malcolm is for sure. And, and Naptime, MC Naptime is. I've seen him. Yeah. But uh, you want to be like them. You want to be in the Discord, chatting up, having me and Kevin yell at you. Uh, that's that's always fun. Uh. I think that I think that people enjoy it. So thank you to Timothy, Jack, James, Lucas, Carrie, Tom, Brandon, Nick, Frank, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Brett, Flocktimus, Keith, Michelle, Brian, and of course, uh, gotta give big shout outs to the guy who's been helping us with our um, uh, the Draft Network mock dress, which Kevin I think does like one per day. He's like a hard addict for these Draft Network mock drafts. It's so, a good conversation starter. Yeah, so that's a uh, that's corn is good. That's our guy. Um, that's that's our dude. That's mm-hmm. he hooked hooked it up with the uh, with the number uh, number one. So yeah, all right. Um, let's get into the movie suggestions. Uh, I've given up some ones that people have really thought they're cool. I kind of have been on this thing where I've been giving a suggestion that is kind of theater of the bizarre, right? I said t- tickled. I said, hey, you should go watch tickled. Hey, you should go watch Tiger King. Hey, you should go. So I feel like I should give a recommendation that is relatively normal to like walk it back a little bit. But I don't know if that's <laughs> that's um, really. I don't know. You got a brand that you figured out. So, so like, should I? So that's my question, you guys. Should I just keep going? Like, like, see how crazy I can make it. Um, all right, fine, whatever. I'll just go extreme again. If you haven't watched The Boys on Netflix or on Amazon Prime, I mean, The Boys is a uh, it's a takeoff of like a superhero. Uh, show it stars Carl Urban and uh, a bunch of other people, but that's the that's the main actor. It stars Carl Urban. Wait, is it a sequel to Dread? No, but it's that's cool. too bad. Then now, now I'm sad. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend The Boys. It's a very a good takeoff of superheroes um, that kind of presents it in a realistic slash kind of gritty way. Sometimes it's a little too edgy for its own good, but I find it quite enjoyable. Eric, did you, did you watch The Boys? No, it's right up my alley, and I haven't watched it yet, sadly. All right, well, now you have plenty of time to watch, turn it on while you're working from home, so we'll see if we get, <laughs> can make it happen. Uh, uh, home, Eric, I get it. Eric, what's your uh, what's your recommendation for streaming this week? Uh, streaming this week? Oh, man, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, it's so hot right now. You have to say it. I finished watching it. Tiger King. You, you're going to back up Tiger King, double down. All right, I love it. What do you like about Tiger King? What's not to like? It's so ridiculous. There's, there's Shaquille no... O'Neal. What's that? Shaquille O'Neal's in the first episode. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq is in an episode. Um, there's no likable prota- protagonist in this. If you begin to like someone, that will change through the course of seven or eight episodes. Um, there's, there's like two people that are good and everyone else sucks. Uh, yeah, but those are like little bit players. Uh, yes, you're correct. The sociopathic tendencies of the main character will begin to become overly evident because you kind of don't want to believe them. Uh, for anyone who's watched it or is about to watch it, there's a funeral scene and I really, really want to laugh super hard during it for a few things he says, but, um, you just can't because it's really tragic and it's awful. Um, it's, it's a great juxtaposition. Uh, everyone is talking about this show. It is worth the time. Um, go for it. I watched it last Friday with my wife and, uh, we finished it Saturday and it was, it's the real deal of absurdity. And, uh, as far as like crime journalism goes for, for documentaries, this is up there. Yeah. All right, Kevin. All right. Uh, I've got a, I've got a recommendation and I cheated as usual. It's more than one movie. And then uh, I also have a recommendation from Brett. So, oh. uh, well, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm guys, right. Nathan recommended don't, don't, Letter- dude, don't steal my thunder. Letterkenny. So, uh, can you please watch Letterkenny, please? Sorry. All right. Well, you did my recommendation from Brett. So, never mind. 
It was wait, was that really it? Of course. Was it was it Little Kim? Was that the animated? I, I'm not. I'm not even joking. I was literally. I was literally just trying to riff right there. I did not think you were really gonna say that he was recommending Letter You yeah. <laughs> definitely absolutely stepped all over my lines and <laughs> took the joke away from me. So. Oh my gosh! I, I really so appreciate that. Thanks. Oh well, now. I'm going to have to just go, uh, you know, find a picture of Bernie Sanders and stare at it while I cry. Gosh. Pitter patter. I mean, what's next? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kevin, what's your, what's your recommendation? Uh, I was just going to say Amazon prime, not just for ordering toilet paper. Uh, they have movies for streaming as well. And I'm going to give you a trifecta, three different eras of movie, 1960s. One of the only John Wayne Westerns I will ever recommend to anybody. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance it okay. is a movie that is referenced frequently, and you don't know how frequently until you watch it. Okay. Um, moving up to the 1980s, we have the classic, the campy, the wonderful Escape from New York, starring oh, Snake Plissken. Yeah. Um, and then uh, campy in a different way and absolutely lovely uh, from the 2010s, we have Logan Lucky. Nice. Which is a great movie. Did you Um, say cauliflower? And I got to get, before we get out of here, I got to give a plug. If you want to see uh, uh, good pictures of action figures at Intangible Dandy, that's how Eric stays insane. Check him out. Uh, You can see what Eric's Eric's really all about. It's good stuff. All right. For Eric Ronnebeck, for Kevin Garber, we will see you guys next week. Uh, Go Hawks. And, uh, you know, just, you know, stay sane out there.